Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom. Welcome to the program today. You know, I recently caught a post on my Facebook timeline that posed the question, how would Joel, Jeremiah, and Daniel be counseling the American church in this hour of a deadly virus that's hamstrung many nations, crippled global economies, racial unrest, and political rage like we've never seen before? Just what would these three phenomenal Old Testament prophets be telling the slumbering 21st century Western church in this hour? Some of the replies to the Facebook post were were rather interesting. A.G. had a nearly immediate response, assuming we wouldn't have killed them already. Isn't that true? Not too many of those prophets died of natural causes. J.E. responded, It's sad but true, funny but true. T.S. said, Repent, the kingdom is at hand. T.A. thought the prophets would explain the importance of humility and brokenness. And J.B. said, In an hour of judgment, the most dangerous dynamic we can hold in our hearts is self-justification. He adds, it's like, it's like pronouncing yourself free from cancer without ever having gone to the doctor. With that, let's find out what at least one of those prophets might be saying to today's church by learning how so many of his words over 2,500 years ago are extremely applicable to today. The prophet Joel, three short chapters, only five pages in my Bible, but it's packed with the word of the Lord, actually, that day. The day of the Lord is the central theme. You know, I I predict the book of Joel is going to get more airtime on Sundays as the church becomes increasingly aware of the critical must events around the corner that will necessitate blowing the trumpet not only in Zion, but throughout the world. Another central theme in Joel. The books between Isaiah and Malachi are referred to as the exilic prophets. They lived and ministered before, during, and after two periods of Israel's history when foreign armies invaded and sent the Jews into captivity, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. These prophets were given a very, very difficult task, announcing the coming devastation, expulsion, and destruction of Jerusalem. And to top it off, they explained it was the judgment of God. Therefore, they were called to be prophets of the day of the Lord. And I would strongly suggest there are many teens and young adults being prepared for that identical task In this day, the day of the Lord is an historical learning experience and a future event for which we must prepare with all its complexities and tensions. The day of the Lord is an hour of redemptive history where God deals with his friends and enemies. It's great. It's a terrible day. It's an hour of deliverance, mercy, vindication, and restoration. An hour of turmoil, judgment, violence, and pain. It's it's centered in and around the city of Jerusalem because God is Jerusalem-centric. Although dating the book is, is still widely debated, Joel was a contemporary of Jeremiah, and he wrote after the agricultural and economic crisis of the locust invasion 
but before the military invasion of Jerusalem, which we know was between 606 and 586 B.C. Now, my desire is to show how this rather brief three-chapter book is distinct from the rest of the prophets and unique and, I would say, critical in these days, and for several reasons. Number one, Joel explains why judgment is released and how God expresses himself in judgment. Secondly, Joel also explains how the people were to respond to God's judgment and the role of the Holy Spirit in those days. Listen to Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It's probably the most quoted verse in the book. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Joel also adds, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. The great cosmic and ecological events of the great tribulation that come before the return of the Lord. Joel says so. The book of Acts says so. Jesus says so in Matthew 24. Thirdly, Joel also explains how history foreshadows the end times. He uses the day of the Lord in his generation to describe the day of the Lord in the final generation. The now but not yet, and the near and far of prophecy. I believe Joel may be even more relevant to our generation than to his own we see three mentions of the day of the Lord in the book. In Joel 1, there's an ecological disaster, a a locust invasion. In Joel 2, it's a military invasion. And in Joel 3, there's the salvation of all Israel, God's judgment on the Antichrist's empire and the nations. Certainly, the current events on the earth, the global political, social, economic, and and religious phenomenon, makes the book of Joel indispensable as we approach the crisis ahead. The day of the Lord and the great tribulation from, from Joel's perspective. As you've heard me mention on more than one occasion, The most accurate way to assess the critical days ahead leading to the day of the Lord is to recognize that the time frame as the end of the age, not the end of the world. God has no plan to erase his people or, for that matter, end all life on his planet when he returns on that day. Certainly, this world will look considerably different in the age to come, Most apparent and unmistakable, the world will be led by God himself in the person of Jesus Christ and and those who've embraced him as Lord. The Bible makes that clear, but that's a topic for another discussion. What we must come to grips with is, is Joel's prophecy is just as clear and unambiguous as the other Old Testament prophets, Jesus, Paul, and the, the apostles of the New Testament. The way God, the God of Abraham, will steward the world in the age to come will be 
considerably different, that's a bit of an understatement. The day of the Lord Joel spoke of is the climax of what Jeremiah called the time of Jacob's trouble, of what Daniel called a a time of trouble such as never has been, of what Jesus called a time of tribulation, and of who one of the elders around the throne in heaven called the great tribulation. The day of the Lord brings the tribulation to an end and transitions us into a new age. And I say that in the very good sense of its meaning. The day of the Lord is, one, eschatological. It terminates in the return of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. Secondly, it's Israel-centric. All the significant events in that time revolves around Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. It's global. Number three, all nations will experience its impact unprecedented, unequaled in magnitude. Number five, horrific. In short, it threatens human survival. Jesus made that clear in Matthew 24. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But, listen to this, but for the elect's sake... Those days will be shortened. The day of the Lord requires more than a casual study. As we approach this time frame and our study of Joel, it will be necessary we adopt a significant history with God. Understand, there is there's no contradiction between God's love and His judgments, His mercy and His wrath. The Father does not put down one attribute of his character, let's say love, so he can express wrath. He can do what we can't do. Ever tried to express love toward someone while seething with wrath at the same time? I believe God demonstrates that in in Revelation chapter 10, when the angel tells John to consume the little book. That's a Greek word for the Bible that it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Sounds like a bit of a paradox, doesn't it? God is saying the events at the end of the age will be exceptionally challenging and painful for the redeemed, while at the same time joyful and expectant. For the coming of the Lord and our gathering to Him is right around the corner. God is bringing forth that generation in these days who understand his mercy and his wrath. They'll be able to eat that little book, meditate on the word and its, and its message, even in its sweetness and bitterness, guarding against being offended at the age-ending works of the Lord and avoiding the apostasy of the nations. Listen, the greatest revival and crisis in history is on the horizon. The church will be prepared with forerunners, those anointed to go ahead of time, step out, explain the unprecedented activities of the Holy Spirit at the end of the age. Listen, meditating on Joel will produce confidence in our hearts in God's love and perfect wisdom, while dislodging accusations against God. Satan's lies will be, be replaced with, with truth. Remember, Satan's going to be cast down to the earth at the end. 
the heavens will rejoice because the enemy no longer has the ear of God in accusations against the saints. Joel introduces us to the heart and requirements of a forerunner, speaking the truth in love. In that day, forerunners will be voices in the earth, preparing the Lord's people for His return and the unique dynamics associated with His return. God certainly will use ecological disasters and military invasions in that particular time frame. Joel makes that abundantly clear in those three chapters of his book. We'll see that in uh, chapter 1 as we begin our study in depth in our next episode. I strongly encourage you to read this short book now. I believe you will see many of the parallel events we've already addressed throughout the critical musts in our previous episodes. So until that time, God bless you. I'm Bill Nordstrom.